I wondered when I read this uh, this passage of Scripture how different we really are from the congregation um, that Jesus preached to that day. Um, I know, you know, in countless ways we are different, right? We speak a different language. We uh, share a different culture. Um, we have technology. There's people who are joining us today on the Internet. There's all kinds of ways we're different, but I wonder really how different we actually are. How different are we as people um, from that first congregation that heard what Jesus had to say that day? I I wonder because because Christianity is supposed to have made a difference, right? We've had two thousand years of Christianity, and Jesus, you know, began his ministry with these words, according to Luke. And and the the question for us is, okay, well, what difference does it make? How are we different? You know, presumably, as a as a Christian congregation, two thousand years later. Um, the things that Jesus did and said during his ministry should have made a difference. But, but I do wonder how different we actually are from the, um, that, the, the, the mem- members of that congregation that day. Um, uh, we read that, that uh, uh, as Luke tells it, he says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So Jesus is inaugurating his ministry now. All the all the setup, the Christmas story and and the story of the temptation in the wilderness and all the other things are are behind us now. And now Jesus is beginning his public ministry and word is beginning to spread. And 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 Luke tells us that this is not uh, the first sermon that Jesus ever preaches. He says he taught in their synagogue and was praised by everyone. So there are apparently good sermons, but Luke doesn't tell us what they are. Instead, he uh, tells us about the one that happened when he got to Nazareth. So it says, uh, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been raised, and on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. So so he says, this is the one I want to focus on. Now, we know that that uh, Jesus is from Nazareth. He's mentioned this several times before in the Christmas story. Um, Mary was engaged to a man from Nazareth, and Joseph came from Nazareth. And then uh, uh, after Jesus disappeared for a while and was in the temple, uh, the family went back to Nazareth. So we have not forgotten as we read this that Jesus is from Nazareth. But But Luke reminds us now because he wants to say, okay, the setup is over. You know, this is, that's where Jesus is from. And from this point forward, where is Jesus? If you want to understand Jesus, this is where you start. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. So, so that's why he reminds us that this is Nazareth. This is really the beginning of the things that Jesus came to do. So what is the first thing he does on the Sabbath? He went to the synagogue as he normally did and he stood up to read. Now, um, it's interesting to, to, to see how, how Luke tells us this. He says, he says, um, on the Sabbath, he stood up to read. So we know, we know that they stood up to read in the Sabbath, um, uh, I mean, in, in the Sabbath service in the synagogue. So, so it's interesting. Historians tell us that this is the earliest account of a synagogue service, um, that exists. That oddly enough, despite, you know, the, the, the Talmud and the, the Mishnah and all the other Jewish writings, this is the earliest account that exists of a Sabbath service. Um, so, uh, it's ironic that it would be in the, the Christian New Testament, but there it is. So, um, so we know that they stood up. So what did they do? Um, Luke tells us in great detail. He says the synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled the scroll. And he found the place where it was written. So, so why would he tell us all that? You know, why didn't he just say, and then he opened up the book, 
or and then he he read from the passage, right? Why does he tell us that he stood up, the synagogue assistant handed him the scroll, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Why would why would he tell us it in that way? Why would why would Luke write it that way? Because he wants to build tension. He wants people sitting on the edge of their seats saying, what did he say? What, what did he read? You know, he's, he's slowing it down so that the audience will go, okay, okay, tell us, tell us. That's, that's why he does that. He, he, um, he gives us all these details about how it works. And then he reads the, the passage from Isaiah. He reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, he has, he has, uh, Luke has built this tension and now he prolongs the tension. So, what does he do? He, he tells us what you do when you get done reading. He says, he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and he sat down. And then in case we aren't listening, he kind of prompts us. And this is what normal people do. What is that? Every eye in the synagogue is fixed on him. Luke is, Luke is telling us Jesus is about to do something amazing. He's telling us the congregation is, is on the edge of their seats waiting to hear what it is that Jesus has to say. And and it's kind of amazing that he would do that because, because the, the congregation has heard this before. They've heard this passage before. As long as there have been synagogues, they've heard this reading. The synagogue was actually developed in in the court, in the time frame called the Babylonian captivity. What had happened is the nation of Israel had been conquered by uh, Babylon, the, the the Babylonian Empire, and uh, the Jews were were um, exiled. They were marched off uh, up the Fertile Crescent to Babylon, and they spent about seventy years there. And it was there, when they could no longer access the temple back in Jerusalem, that they developed the synagogue service. So, so as literally as long as they, there have been synagogues, people have been hearing this reading. They've been listening um, to it because, because if you're marched off to a foreign country, you're out of your element, you know, everything seems hopeless, you would naturally gravitate toward the passages in Scripture, like Isaiah, where God promises uh, I'm aware of what's happened. You know, I, I know what's, I know what you're dealing with, and I promise I'll fix it. I promise that one day things will be better, that the poor will be, will hear good news, and the, the blind will, will, um, have recovery of sight. That prisoners, your exiles in Babylon, think about that, prisoners will be released, and all who are oppressed will be liberated. So they would naturally gravitate toward this in the synagogue service, and Sure enough, after about 70 years of exile, the, the Jews were released. The, the Babylonian Empire was conquered by the Persian Empire, and you know, new, new broom sweeps clean. The, the Persian Empire said, okay, you guys can go back to, uh, uh, to um, Israel. So they did. And um, they, they carried this, this um, uh, passage with them, of course, and the synagogue practice as well. And the reason is because they wanted to say, look, we, we trusted God. God made promises and God has, has, uh, liberated us just like he promised that he would. But the problem is that they got there. 
and you know we're we're no longer slaves in in Babylon. That's good, but you know they're still poor people. They're still prisoners, and you know the crimes that get people imprisoned. And, and in that era, a lot of it would have been economic crime that that you run out of money and you be, get put in a debtor's prison. So um, they're still poor people. They're still imprisoned people. They're still blind people. And they started saying, "Well, how do we make sense of this? God kept His promise, but really." Not completely or, or incompletely that somehow this, this, this act of liberation that God has done must point to some future liberation that, that release from captivity in Babylon is only a sign of the good thing that God has promised to do later when, when there will really be an end to, to poverty and to, to, uh, physical infirmity and, and imprisonment and all the other things. They started to see it as, as a greater promise, um, that, that, uh, that God had made. So they'd heard this for 500 years. They heard this passage read. And the problem with that is the one day, one day God will do this. One day the poor will have good news preached to them. One day people will be liberated. One day prisoners will be released. One day the blind will have their sight recovered. One day. Someday, maybe next week, maybe next year, maybe in my grandchildren's time, one day God will do these great things. One day. And Jesus, now that the congregation is staring at him, Jesus begins to explain to them. Jesus begins to explain to them. Luke is telling us that this may not be the whole sermon. It might be, or it might not be. If you think about, you know, the, the, the biography that Luke wrote, uh, he's, he has no problem including long passages that Jesus spoke. He, the, the, uh, parable of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the, the prodigal son, those are part of Luke's biography. He has no problem telling you what Jesus says at, lo- at long length. So maybe this is the whole sermon. Or maybe it's just a summary of it. But Jesus began to explain to them. What did he begin to explain? He said, today. Today. Not someday. Not next week. Not in ten years. Not in a century. Not someday. He said, today. The first word that Jesus says in his ministry as an adult, according to Luke, is today. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. For Luke, and I presume for Jesus, the promises of God are not something for the future. They're something for today. If you think back to the Christmas story we heard a few weeks ago, what is what is it that the angels tell the shepherds when they appear that night? They say, today in the city of David is born to you a Savior. Today is the day of salvation. And that's why I wonder how different we really are from that congregation. Because it's been a long time. 
been 2,000 years. It was 500 years for that first century audience, but it's been 2,500 years for us since since Isaiah uh, began uh, being um, heard in synagogues, and 2,000 years since Jesus read it. And I wonder if for us, today has become someday. That, that we hear the promises. We hear the promises of, of uh, relief, uh, good news for the poor, and liberation from captivity and, and oppression, um, recovery of sight to the blind, and we say yes someday. Someday, when Jesus returns, at, at, at the resurrection, at the renewal of all things, when, when Christ returns in glory, yes. And that could happen someday. But I wonder, do we hear this promise as being fulfilled in Christ already? That this is the year of the Lord's favor. That the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's favor began that day when Jesus preached this sermon and continues. That 2022 is the year of the Lord's favor. Do we hear it that way? Or do we say, yeah, someday, someday. For 2,000 years, the Christian church has acted out of the conviction that this is the day of salvation, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. It's why the church has been involved in ministries of compassion from the beginning. It's why this congregation does uh, the things it does in, in areas of compassion. It's why we support the 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 you know the things we saw we saw last week in the um, the annual report the the um, support we give for the food pantry up in uh, um, Spinard for the other things that we have done as a congregation to help people who are poor um, because we are acting out of a conviction that this is the year of the Lord's favor that the poor should have good news preached to them not only in word but in deed. That's people in Spinard. That's people at Gladys Wood. That's people at the mobile food pantry. So instead of talking about them, I mean, I, I don't want to discount that. Jesus is talking about good news to the poor. But I want you to imagine instead that you are in that synagogue that day or that Jesus comes to this church and he stands up and he reads this passage. And then he makes eye contact with you. What is it that troubles you? What is it that keeps you awake at night? What is it that causes arguments with your spouse? What is that thing that troubles you? What is that oppression that you need to be liberated from? How can you hear what Jesus says. Picture yourself, Jesus making eye contact with you and you knowing that he knows what you're dealing with. And then Jesus says, he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What would that, what would that be? What would Jesus communicate to you that he knows about? What would it look like if he fixed that problem? What would your life, how would your life be different if Jesus intervened in your life? 
in that way. What would be the first sign that something was different, that Jesus was, in fact, working on that problem? And, you know, last week we heard the story about the the, uh, disciples. Jesus told the disciples, how much bread do you have? Come back and tell me. What would Jesus tell you to do? You know, he would tell people, go and wash in the pool or go and show yourself to the priest. What would Jesus tell you to do as part of what he was doing to change your life, to liberate you from your oppression? What if today is the day of salvation? What if the promises of God are not something to file away and say, you know, someday, yes, in the resurrection, in God's time, you bet. What if... What if this is the year of salvation? What if 2022 is the year of salvation? Can you imagine what it would be like if Christians lived their lives out of this conviction? Not just that the poor should have good news preached to them, but that God was at work in their own lives, transforming them, liberating them from the things that oppressed them. Imagine what people would say about Jesus if they could see his church acting out of that conviction. Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 2022 is the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that Jesus came to proclaim that your good news is not merely limited to some far-off future, but that this is the day of salvation, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Help us to act out of that conviction for others and to trust it for ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.